It can't all be sorrow, can it? I've always been alone, so I don't feel the lack. It's all I've ever known. I've never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief if not love persevering? Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning and luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? Tell the rest of your class your name, something about yourself, and what we're here to talk about today. My name's Mac... I'm learning about Marvel and magic and the Marvel universe. I like tea. <laughs> Did you say teeth or tea? Yes. <laughs> I don't like this answer. <laughs> I'm Anyways. uncomfortable now. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I am to please. Oh, God. Today we watched one, not today. I finished it like three days ago, but we watched one yeah. division. Because, you know, we're at the end of a chapter and we're making things nice and fun. And honestly, this might be the best thing that we've ingested for this chapter. This is one of the best things I've ingested in the past few years. Fair enough. Yeah, it's really good. This is super up your alley. Like, I already knew it was, but watching this, I was like, God, this is just, were they pouring into Tyler's brain? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. There's like only one episode I really didn't connect with, and that's because I did not watch Modern Family, but. That's fair. That's about I didn't it. I like that episode either. <laughs> I liked it. It was fine, but yeah, I mean, it's it a fine a episode. Like, but I didn't have. Okay, you know, I don't. Yeah, it's not like the other ones where I was like, "Oh my god, they're spoofing <laughs> Dick Van Dyke," or "Oh my god, that look at that bewitched intro down to the." Yeah, it was fun watching this with my wife, who had no idea what she was getting into because uh, I didn't really. I just was like we have to watch one one division because I need to for a podcast. Mm -hmm. She's like, sure, yeah, whatever, playing Civilization Six in her spare time and, like, looking up and increasingly getting interested as this goes along. Being like, what is this show? Oh, they're changing it every time. And the then the universe made a sitcom about two Avengers? And then by, like, the 80s time, we're, like, trying to identify the show. And definitely by the time we got to, like, Malcolm in the Middle. Mm. Which I didn't watch Malcolm in the Middle, so I was really happy with myself to realize that I had, like, Got you, that one correct. You still realized it? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I get this, even though I didn't. God, oh. that commercial for that one gave me... It, it was like the person on the island, I think it was. Yeah, like yeah, Play Vision. The... That gave me such like acid flashbacks to being 12. <laughs> the year is 2000. Right? Holy cow. Um, there's a lot to potentially say about the show. Where should we start? I guess... First off, I I don't think we're going to like shy away from spoilers. The no, show's been out for almost a year now. Go watch it if you haven't. We can't talk about this in the way that we need to for like dealing with magic without spoiling the hell out of it. I mean, if you listen to the podcast before now, you knew most of the answers going in. So, <laughs> yes. That's the thing. So, when I went into 
to the show the first time, we hadn't covered Scarlet Witch so in depth on here yet. Or Agatha. Did you know who Agatha was? I knew who was? Agatha was. You knew the name, kind of. That's about, I was like, which in the Marvel Universe? It's Agatha. And then when the name was, I was like, Agnes is way too close. Yeah, like, that's, that's clearly Agatha Harkness. But that's about, I was just like, I know she's another witch. That's all I knew at the time. I, I have to imagine this was much different going through for you. Um, yes. But as we kind of covered with some of my choices for our what to read for our witches segment, we have been going through one of my weaker areas of knowledge for magic in the Marvel Universe. So I knew who Agatha was, but like until our episodes with Scarlet Witch and Agatha, I had never really done that many deep dives on either one of those characters. So I already knew who they were. So even just, you know... Through osmosis, I had picked up most of the surprises already. Like, you mm -hmm. can't exist on the internet in the spaces I exist in for a year and a half without getting most of this. It was blank all along. Yeah. The moment that song came, it was Agatha all along. Like, that was catchy. I knew that song just because it would pop up in places. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, Catherine Hahn, who freaking kills it, by the way. Is playing Agnes. Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. Agatha. You're not fooling anyone. But it, I don't think it would have hit me as strong if we hadn't done that Scarlet Witch James Robinson series, which was a much bigger influence on this than I had thought it was going to be. But it's also not the first time they really treated Scarlet Witch as a witch, but really, like, dived into the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Of the things we've watched, this has done more to kind of cement the rules of magic than I think anything else has. Where, like, Doctor Strange, it's magic, but also it's, like, quantum something something nonsense words. This one's <laughs> like, it's magic. There's runes. Here's the rules. Go. Noob. This was your second time through, much like me, right? Yes. Uh, what do you remember from your first time? I knew who Agatha was immediately, although we didn't know a whole lot about her. I just knew, oh, she's the other witch. <laughs> <laughs> and I pointed out to my roommate and my fiance who were watching with me, like, oh, she's the other witch. They're like, what, <laughs> what other witch? <laughs> I don't know. I need to actually ask my wife if she had suspected there was something going on with Agnes from the beginning. They put some clues in. There's always she's always around when she shouldn't be, and like she's like not following the rules that have been set out. She has a few, much like Monica, she has more levels of awareness than yeah. anyone mm -hmm. else. Uh, and then I, I had before I watched the show, I had to watch all of the uh, Endgame stuff because I hadn't watched it before. So Same. I watched it, then watched the show. So a lot of it made sense. I was like, oh, I just mm. that's mm -hmm. why this happened. This is what's going on. This is why Vision died. <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> it's not like your dead husband can die again <laughs> we got to that final scene and I'm like trying not to cry and Cece's like you have they have to stop killing the vision <laughs> this is what the third time they've done it yeah. um, he dies a lot uh, I also enjoyed going through her interaction with her dead brother and how she's confused why he's there because she didn't do it mm-hmm did you catch the, like, weird, interesting choice they made with the actor for the recast? No. That is the guy that played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies. Oh, you're right. He also played <laughs> Pietro. That's, this is his 
third time playing Pietro, it's just before in a completely different universe. That's insane. Wow. I don't I didn't connect. The that. internet lost its collective <laughs> mind it's, when it's that amazing. happened. It was so amazing going through this week to week the first time. I can imagine. Oh my <laughs> Also, yeah, I don't know. I also had a lot of people to talk with this about. This show brought in a lot of like non-comic book fans. Well, it hit at just the right time because it was an early Disney Plus launch. So, um, yeah, as far as that goes, it was supposed to be... It was originally supposed to be after uh, Black Widow and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. But it got bumped up for... But it was further along in production, and they were going to be able to finish it easier because most of the sets were... Because it was shot mostly on extremely controlled sets mm -hmm. as COVID was hitting, whereas all the other shows had, like, big, like outdoor sequences and like places they had to travel to whereas this was just in a studio yeah that makes sense it also was at pretty early in covid mm -hmm. or at one of those points where we were like a piece of media everyone needs to watch it right now well and like most traditional television they were only like three weeks ahead on the script from the shooting Oh, okay. Um, so, like, as COVID situation changed during the filming... They could make... Things also changed sometimes. So, like, that's why Kat Dennings only has a single line in the last episode, even though she was such a big part beforehand. Interesting. That's why she's not in the final mm -hmm. one. They just were able to write off of... Uh... And even that was uh, green-screened in. Really? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, but what I was thinking of was, um, they're like, where's Dr. Whatever her yeah. character's name is? And this is something about end reports are for suckers or something like that. Like, oh, okay. Gad Dennings was no longer available. I mean, it fit for the character either way, but that helped explain, that explains like a lot. Yeah, that's why suddenly like this giant character for the rest, the mid part of the series is just like, peace suckers at the end. <laughs> I do think the middle part of the series, like if we split it into three beginning, middle and end, I think the middle part is the strongest overall when they have, they're still in the sitcom format, but they have started breaking away from it a little bit. Mm. And before they get into the end, big action scenes, I got a little, not lost. Like I understood everything that was happening. I got a little bored in some of the final action fights between Agatha and Scarlet Witch and Vision and Vision. Mm. We'll get there. Um, did at any point you guys think anything or anybody was Mephisto? I already knew <laughs> I already knew they were not. I'm still not sure why people think there were so many Mephisto. Because week by week. Yes, but I'm not catching what was supposed to be like the hints. Oh. Um, I, don't, I don't recall ever thinking that. I guess maybe the beekeeper, but even that, but... My obscure knowledge, I was like, it's Swarm, the Nazi bee man. <laughs> Heck yeah. No, I okay. look, look, I honestly didn't understand most of the like, and this crane fits into Mephisto. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's a crane. No. <laughs> or like the, the, the cicada was another one, but like Senor Scratchy very easily could have been. I, ooh, I get that. Very easily could have been. Yes. But also Agatha's son is named Nicholas Scratch, so that is a tie-in that I did not catch until literally this moment. Mm. 
as we as we were having the sentence. <laughs> that was the big one for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Was um, I was like, oh, and well, because you have Senor Scratchy getting named and brought up by Agatha for the first time, right around the same episodes where um, Wanda becomes pregnant and then has twins. Mm, okay, and then knowing the twins' uh, convoluted history with Mephisto. <laughs> <sighs> and Master Pandemonium, who might come up in our hell stuff, but in a very, like, very, you can't see this because this is an audio format, but, like, very small. Like, half inch between the fingers, small. Um, not related to magic, but related to WandaVision, which we kind of have to roll with with these. I feel like this, better than anything else, encapsulated why Vision is one of my favorite Avengers. Hmm. Not one of my overall favorite Marvel characters, but I think he makes him a great Avengers team member because he's really interesting, but he doesn't carry his own book well. There's something fascinating about the Vision to me. Same reason I like Data from Star Trek The Next Generation, if we're being 100% <laughs> Who honest. Who doesn't like but Data? <laughs> I'm sure someone, man. Then they're not Star Trek fans. <laughs> oh, God. it's uh, There's a very famous line from the end of the Vision's first appearance because he appears, attacks the Avengers, is revealed that he was created to attack the Avengers, but he doesn't actually want to, yada, yada, yada. They let him join, and then the final bit is him being, like, overwhelmed with emotion. Uh, And there's something, something, even an android can cry, and you, like, see him crying a little bit. (laughs) I remember. And kind of, that's why I love the Vision. Like, he's just this... Weird doesn't 100% understand humanity, but is actually very good at it in his own way and very caring of his teammates person. Also, who looks sweet? Yeah. Although I am partial to... You're uh, all about white vision and I'm all about give me the bright colors. I'm a white vision guy. Although I didn't care for the live action white vision as much. They... Changed up his look a little bit. He's a little more angular mm-hmm. to separate it, and especially he's been rebuilt, but he's not been rebuilt entirely properly. But the angular look doesn't work particularly well, in my opinion. But the bit where his eyes cleared from like the like weird, creepy robot eyes to much more human eyes, mm, that scene was just... I guess let's get the magic of it out of the way first. Snoob, what did you think about the magic? It was really interesting. I, I enjoyed the parts where Agatha was directly involved, and we got to see more of Scarlet Witch's past through the TV series and explained the history of magic with Agatha and then what her magic actually is, because she didn't think it was magic at first. Well, and much like Scarlet Witch in the comics, they've never even really tried very hard to consistently keep Wanda's power set vaguely understandable until this one where they're like, it's magic. Um, so explaining how, cause I mean, in the first Avengers movie, she's literally like, I do illusions, <laughs> but then suddenly I'm firing hex bolts and no one has asked why I wouldn't either. I mean, <laughs> she's firing hex bolts. <laughs> From what I understand, um, they might have to follow the, mostly follow these rules going forward too. Especially the, the way that like the magic and all of that is portrayed within like Wanda and her character, the, the writers and the showrunner and the, the main director, because 
one director did work on all nine episodes of this, Matt mm-hmm. Shackman, actually had the, the freedom from Disney Marvel to go be like, cool, like, Dang. we've done a little bit of magic before, but we didn't really explain anything, so if you guys are going to explain stuff... Have at it, have fun, and even though like Doctor Verse and the multi or Doctor Strange and the Doctor Verse, Doctor Verse, even though Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at that point was already in pre production, like it had been announced and all that, they didn't really like they timed it so that like the earlier stages of that pre production was starting towards the later stages of this production, just so that it was more just like. Here's what we did. We're handing off our notes to you. But we get to do our notes. Like, we get to do all of this. You guys are just getting our notes to go forward with. I think it's a good idea. I understand why they're not going to do what some comic things do of, like, how a witch's magic work is different than how a a sorcerer's magic works, which is different than how a, you know, hell magic works. I wish they would. It did bother me when they're like, you're the Scarlet Witch. You're more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. <laughs> That's not how that works. But I do like the idea that she just taps in directly to magic without having to do the spell or incantation. It's kind of a good way of doing what Wanda's mutant power was when she was still allowed to be a mutant. I'm a magic mutant. Mm -hmm. Now that she has been officially termed the Scarlet Witch. About freaking time. What do you think the chances are in the future of us seeing the Emerald Warlock? I hope pretty high. (laughs) I would love to see Emerald Warlock. (laughs) Maybe. And there's going to be about 40 Screen Rant articles of like, who is so-and-so, the uh, sworn enemy of the Scarlet Witch, her great nemesis. And I'll be like, he appeared in three comic book issues, and she wasn't even in one of them. The other, he teamed up with Agatha Harkness. Like, let's mm-hmm. calm it down here. I mean, that could be, if Agatha Harkness is becoming a bigger character. We are getting an uh, Agatha House of Harkness TV show just based off how much they liked Catherine Hahn. I mean, he could show up in that. Which... Understandable. Oh, Catherine Hahn really is good. far and away the winner of this TV show. So good. Did not like them placing her in Salem when, like, killing her off originally, doing her, like, original witch power stuff. But, and I think we've discussed this before on this, I don't like putting actual witches in Salem. Mm. I think Salem is so much more interesting when we just look at people lose their collective minds as opposed to, <laughs> oh no, those innocent people we killed, they actually were witches. Like, that is really missing the point of the Salem Witch Trials. I really liked the the subversion of the witch trial trope where she's being dragged out for a witch trial, but it's a trial by, by other, other witches. That did help Super a lot. Good. That I liked that. And it does kind of fit in with when we covered Agatha in the comic, that Agatha was like, Oh, there's these witch trials happening. Check out Mary. She's not a very good witch, so you'll actually catch her. What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> it also drove home the fact that she's, like, legit not a good person. Like, she killed all of them. <laughs> yeah, she's... She's more villainous in this. She's directly villainous in this, as opposed to... And they could change that, especially with yeah. House of Harkness. And as much as I'm down with sometimes let villains be villains, Agatha has never been that. 
Yeah. Especially not now in like current stuff. No. She definitely should not be a hero either. Agatha is... Morally gray. Agatha. She do what she do. And I think they have her set up in the perfect position to do that. Like, mm-hmm. she's not a good person, but I, she's far from being irredeemable. Re- irredeemable. Like, she's fine. She's Agatha. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just not going to piss her off. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Most that whole thing about the prophecy that they were talking about with the Scarlet Witch, I didn't. I don't think we ever talked about that in the comic series. I don't know if that was made up or not. Um, I think it was tapped into when we talked on the Scarlet Witch episode. The fact that the Scarlet Witch is an inherited title that her mother had as well. Mm. Uh, I think it was tying into a similar thing of that, but instead of there have been eternally been Scarlet Witches, the Darkhold, which will get its own damn episode in this podcast. I'm excited. Is just mentioning, here's the Scarlet Witch, here's how she knows who it is. This person will be kind of the Anakin Skywalker, but less whiny, of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Way less whiny. (laughs) I compared scene to scene. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel for Wanda in this one a lot. Like, I understand why, what is it, Westbrook? Westview? Westview. Westview. Why the people of Westview were like, we don't like you, but... Yeah, that's fair. This show is insane psychological horror. Yeah. Like, holy cow, it is... So good. Dark. (laughs) When Kitty from that 70s show is saying, please let us die, I'm not sure how to handle that. Also, I cannot see her as anything but Kitty, I I discovered while watching this show. When they're in their first episode, she's like, help him. (laughs) That is one of the... (laughs) Well, no, when Kitty's just going, stop it, laugh, stop yeah. it, laugh, is one of the most uncomfortable it's things I have amazing. ever seen. I loved it. And then they're like, huh, that was a great dinner party. Let's <laughs> walk out of the house. So good. So good. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, she's a good actress from everything we've seen anyways, mm-hmm. but I wonder if like being on that 70s show helped her on this show of like knowing how to like tap into older well, I will point out something about her being in this show that is kind of funny. I don't know if you guys noticed. Her billing. She's billed amongst the main cast in this show, even though she's in two episodes. And I thought three, but yeah. Bar- she's barely in any of it. Was she supposed- Where she's billed higher than the guy that played director Haywood. Well, the heck with that guy. But he's in... He's in a lot of it. Yeah, no. Was she supposed to be in more originally? Or? No, no, just like... It's just her name. I think... Her name, her... I think it's her name and just, like, somebody probably owed her a favor or two, and she probably gets a, a little bit higher kickback that way. Good for her. I like her. I just... Dang. I only know her as Kitty. Okay, let's talk about... It's not magic and stuff, but let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters, uh, starting with Haywood. Because I think he is a really integral part of this, of... Uh, Snowverblown Knights Templar. Well, that too, but I was going to say crappy white guy. Um, the, 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 <laughs> I say as a white guy. Um, if all of this is about grief and kind of... not, I don't want to say female empowerment, because that makes it sound too much like almost Charlie's Angels-ish, but like... This is a show about a woman's grief. He is, I don't know, the the stereotypical white man who ignores or belittles or 
uh, uh, denies that grief and that agency of literally every woman in this show. Because he I does. I was, th- I was thinking about the things with grief on a little bit more macro level than how individual characters were. Well, and I mean. Uh, he, but he does the same thing with uh, Monica's grief as well. He just like, and I should probably stop saying white guy, although I've got, we've discussed my own opinions on that one in plain places. He is the parts of society that doesn't want people to have the time or space to like experience that grief. He definitely writes Wanda off even before he is revealed to have set up Wanda in most places. He writes Wanda off as like, the hysterical woman. And then Monica, he's so terrible to. I don't have much to add. That's, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't, really, I wasn't focused on him to be honest. So I, 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 I he's a, that's what I didn't I have. focus on him too much other <laughs> than like, I was trying to figure out if he was an existing person. Oh, he was not. I do think this was a clever way to introduce sword. Mm. which is a thing from the comics, which is like shield, but for space. I do like bringing in Monica and I was so happy with Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo is so great. (laughs) So good. Tyler and I have both read a book called agents of Atlas, which might get an episode in the very end of this seat of the Marvel and the magic universe. Cause magic comes up a lot in it, but it'll be in the like, Area we of, didn't know where to put this. Yes, because Atlanteans are in it and dragons are in it and uh, Whoa, okay. uh, goddess is in it. And like it goes places. The gorilla man curse is in it. It's so good. But Jimmy Woo also one is just interesting. He was, I think, the first he wasn't the first Asian American to lead his own book in Marvel. I don't think or at least in comics, but he's one of the first. And he was pretty much Nick Fury, but Asian, which was weirdly revolutionary at the time. But I kind of like how they introduced him here because he still has some of that like 50s, 60s, golly gee Williker stuff <laughs> going down. But then you find out like in passing, like he's like, oh, I'm a whiz at hot wiring a car. And like, he's like picking locks without thinking about it. And like, Knows how Not, to handle himself in a fight. Yeah, knocking out trained government agents who are much higher up than the FBI in, like, a single hit. I'm like, Jimmy, what have you got going on? <laughs> I, even before, and I knew Monica was going to get her powers because she was Captain Marvel before mm-hmm. Carol was Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they're just not going to deal with that, but that's fine. But I really wanted an X-Files show with Darcy. That was Captain Darcy, name. yeah. Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy Woo. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, like, <laughs> I just want the Darcy and Jimmy Woo hour all day uh-huh. long. Like, they're my two... F- oh, so I kind of swoon over Cat Dannings, but... She's so cute. <laughs> and she, yeah, yeah. she first appeared on the screen right when I was, like, eight. And not first appeared, but, like, I figured out who she was right when I was 18, when I was, like, she's built to make 18-year-old boys lo- fall in love with her. Like, everything about her. This is true. <laughs> also, um... Jimmy Woo first shows up on screen doing the magic trick that he couldn't figure out of Scott Lang's from Ant-Man. Oh, I still haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, so I don't... Yeah, when he shows up and does the card trick, it's because Scott was doing that and he couldn't figure it out. And all of this time in between... (laughs) He's just been practicing. Oh, that makes me so happy. So good. But also, um, 
both Kat Dennings and I can't remember the guy that plays Jimmy Woo's name. You'll look it up. Uh, they both uh, were from sick, like have sitcom experience. Yeah, because she was on Two Broke Girls. Mm-hmm. Where is he from? Well, if I could remember his, well, he's Asian Jim from The Office. Oh, <laughs> oh that's why he looks familiar. <laughs> but beyond that, he also did. His name is Randall Park. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and he was on the ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat, which oh. lasted for six years. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He started as Kim Jong-un in The Interview. Oh, he did? <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, uh, and he had a recurring role of Governor Danny Chung in Veep. Oh, cool. So, I mean, that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good career. And uh, he starred as a future version of himself in the 2021 Dwayne Johnson autobiographical comedy series Young Rock. Hmm. And he was an Aquaman. Um, I forgot Young Rock existed, and it makes me almost as mad as Young Sheldon existing. <laughs> and I don't actually have anything against either one of those shows, but there's something so... Wrong? Yeah. I have something against continuing the Big Bang Theory franchise, but that, this is not the podcast for that. <laughs> we don't have a podcast about that. Our other podcast is about liking things. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need a rant. <laughs> Did you guys catch all the, 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 I've got sitcom references. Almost assuredly no, but I, I mean. I mean, not like, there weren't a lot of specific references, but just like how it was progressing and like the main with the shows. the 50s and going on the, the. So like the 50s, the main influences would have been uh, Dick Van Dyke and I Love Lucy mm. uh, for that one. Um, 60s was more. Uh, 60s the, was Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Uh, very heavily bewitched, extremely heavily bewitched. I feel like maybe a bit of I Dream of Jeannie, but... Absolutely. Um, 70s... Was Partridge Family and Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. 80s was um, kind of All in the Family, kind of um, the one Full House. I got that one. 90s was Malcolm in the Middle. No. no? We skipped the 90s. Malcolm in the Middle... Debuted in 2000. Okay. Now... 80s one had kind of a 90s... Because... Well, here's the thing. So there's two reasons why the 90s were skipped, if you're following along with with the story. Wanda was born in 89. Her parents died when she was 10. So from 89 to 99 is the time in which she, in her mind, associates with living through a civil war and her parents dying. And the prison part, right? And is... Also, the part part of her memories, because it's not just Vision, that she is trying to not think about this entire series. Fair enough. So you just skip those. But in wider pop culture, all of the biggest sitcoms to originate in the 90s followed a trend of basically following uh, 20-year-old, 30-year-olds, yeah, single people living very, out on their own. Friends, Seinfeld, it was... Uh, there was hardly any major family-based sitcoms to actually come out of the 90s. Most of the big ones in the 90s actually started in the late 80s. What was the one about the terrible family? Um, the Bundys, the... the, the uh, Married, Married with Children. Children. Was that started in the 90s, or did that start in the Pretty 80s? Pretty sure that starts in probably 89. Also... 
That show is awful and has aged. I remember worse, really liking so it, but I haven't seen it in about fifteen years. So it, I'm pretty sure it was one of those that was really funny at the time, but looking at it now, it's just terrible people who hate each other, and I don't have a whole lot of. I just don't have a whole lot of patience for that. But anyways, uh, and then early two thousands was Dude, Malcolm then we had in the, the Malcolm in the Middle, and then in the for the twenty tens, basically we had the Modern Family episode, which is something that she would have seen like during her time with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the Modern Family guys was briefly in the MCU, so that's an interesting. <laughs> in Incredible Hulk, the uh, psychiatrist boyfriend of Hulk's. Liv Tyler, ex-girlfriend, was the dad from Modern Family. Interesting. And he was set up to be Doc Samson. Yes. My favorite Hulk (laughs) character, because he's a psychiatrist with bright green hair who has Doc Samson Hulk powers. What's not to love about that? Something that's really, I didn't, I had to read something that pointed it out, and then I paid attention more to it this time through the color coding of the different elements to pop up through the commercials each associate to one of the infinity stones. Oh, interesting. That sort of tracks. So I do have a question because I was texting you about you two about this mm-hmm. while I was watching it. They drop a ton of Nazi references. Like they have Hydra and stuff in there, you see. But and it's Hydra and <laughs> stuff. Uh, and I'm not a hundred. Was it just because it's like her trauma from her time with Hydra starting to kick through, or because they had like Struker band brand cigarettes? Yeah, see, that's and like I don't get a lot of Nazi references. There's a couple Hydra references. Every episode. Okay, and the reason I'm saying Nazi references is twofold. One, no matter what they try and do, Hydra is a Nazi organization. When you were founded by Nazis and yet keep following either Baron von Strucker or the Red Skull, I'm sorry, you're Nazis. I mean, the Red Skull has a different gig right now, but. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's on uh, Vorthmir? Is that the name? Yeah, the, protecting. Uh, the Soul Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. I for, Okay. I was like, what is he agent? No, he Vormier. wasn't in that movie. There we go. Um, <laughs> he's got a different job. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. He's the Red Skull. I mean, he still like, is. And it, maybe it's because I don't have a whole lot of time for any kind of like, we're not Nazis. We just have, yeah, in the year 2022. But also some of the characters that they did as Hydra references aren't traditionally Hydra members. The guy in the bee suit that I got super excited about. And but I, that wasn't Swarm. I know, but they were super in any more than like sh- no more than Struker was actually there with the Struker brand cigarettes. Uh, watch. Huh? Watch. Watch. Is that what it was? OK. Yeah. Wasn't there a cigarettes commercial or am I just every I could be just making it up because every sitcom had a cigarette commercial somewhere at that at There's that time in actual sitcom history. Because you could just advertise cigarettes on TV like it was no big deal back then. There's watches. There's one about cleaning. There's a toaster one. Yeah, so the toaster one was Stark Industries, and it had the flashing light that kept beeping. Which was it, the bomb that and she And it was, was the bomb. The toaster also made a sound exactly like um, the Iron Man repulsor suit. Mm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> they really put so many details in there. That's amazing. You have the Stoker watches was the second one. Mm-hmm. Which she got indoctrinated into Hydra. Also, there's a cry for help in there because it's set to uh, the time is set to nine eleven, so it's nine one one calling for an emergency. Got it. 
Uh, yeah, I think I just got distracted by Swarm, because Swarm is literally a Nazi who turned himself into a swarm of bees and wears a cape, a big purple cape. What, what was his end goal? Bees. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he succeeded? <laughs> he routinely makes the worst of villains list for Marvel things on, like, clickbait, and he's not. There is significantly worse, but there is bees. something. Yeah, he is. I'm not... It's like I that. am in no way defending Swarm because he is Nazi bees. It's like that. But there is something kind of great about the fact that he's Nazi bees. <laughs> like, All I think about is that scene from Wicker Man. <laughs> Not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> Such a bad movie. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so I guess I, because... And I get why they were like, oh, okay, he's wearing this suit. We're going to translate it. That would translate to like a beekeeper suit. Bam, there's that, which connects to these other characters. But I don't think, and I could be wrong. I have not done my research on Swarm recently. I don't think he was a Hydra character. So I think that's what was throwing me off. Well, right. But like, this guy wasn't even a Hydra. This guy was sword. I know. I just... I don't know why, but my brain was like, that is Swarm. And then it wasn't Swarm, but I can't <laughs> was stop of, thinking That was one of the that. red herrings that worked on you, man. God. Whereas everyone else, like, latched like, onto the Mephisto it's Mephisto stuff. Clearly, Mephisto, and I'm like, it's the Nazis. <laughs> well, it's how they, um, they intentionally cast Emma Caulfield as Dottie because she had previously played a friend that was an enemy in disguise. To try to throw people off. Yep. <laughs> Who had, what movie had she done? She was in... Um, Looks better than I was imagining. I'm showing him a picture of Swarm. I can get down with that. I was just imagining like a incorporeal form with just some bees in a cape. Nope, he's <laughs> just a bunch of bees in a human form. In some versions, his skeleton's there, but in most, it's just bees. I don't, I don't know what she turned on other people in, although I'm sure she probably did it at least once over the course of Buffy when she was Anya. Oh, okay. She would, Oh, if she was Anya, that... I haven't watched Buffy since college. <laughs> that tracks. Anya was of questionable moral character all of the time. So. Yeah, wasn't she like a former vengeance demon or something like that? Or succubus or something. I don't yeah. remember. She was evil and then was forced to not be human and she fell in love with willow i never knew much about buffy to begin with and the only things i saw was with an ex like 15 years ago at this point so there was a point between high school and college where i wasn't working and i was massively depressed and there's like a year in between and i watched a ton of smallville a ton of stargate a ton of scrubs and a ton of buffy and the other three i already had connections to so the buffy one kind of stuck out to back over to the to the grief part, since that's such a big part of the show. So there's what like nine episodes in the season. Mm. Eight or nine. So Six, it's not so. so it's not quite. It doesn't evenly match up with the episodes. It's of not the like various stages of grief. Yeah, it's but. not like every two episodes is one of the stages of grief. But it's basically every two episodes is one of the stages of grief. Yep. Denial. Anger. Anger. Bargaining. bargaining. Sadness. Acceptance. Okay, yeah. It doesn't quite line up, but it's pretty close. Like, the anger actually goes all the way almost until the third episode. Anger goes all the way through, but... Yeah. I mean, in general practice... They're not... Their client is almost always angry in that situation. Understandably. Wanda's got stuff. 
when she when we see why when uh what's his face i always forget his name the the main bad guy that was running the whole operation like agent something detective or director haywood yeah haywood like he denied tyler haywood he denied her closure when she went to go get you the vision. because it's your name? <laughs> yes, I'm always mad when they use my name for a terrible character. <laughs> okay. He's pretty bad. One See, of the, like, the worst hormone monster on Big Mouth is also named Tyler. Oh, you're right. <laughs> See, what made me maddest was Matt was a completely different direction. Haywood is the name of a DC character named Steel, not like yeah, the Superman yeah. Steel, but a different Steel. So my brain went... Nate Haywood. Haywood. Comic books. <laughs> This is a person. I should know who this is. And even once I realized it was an original character, I was like, clearly this is somebody. <laughs> and it's not. I'm sorry. I no, interrupted you there. You were talking about actual stuff, and I'm yelling about <laughs> Citizen Steel. <laughs> That's actual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we see Haywood deny her closure mm-hmm. uh, when she goes to get the vision, and his response says, he's government property. You don't get to bury him. And then she has to go back to the home what they were going to ha- literally going to build a family with. So of course you're going to be angry. Like you don't have the person you, you had the home with, you weren't allowed to have closure. And I think that's originally why in the show, at least she create like out of spontaneously created that area is because she was angry, angry and sad. And that was like the catalyst to pop this whole thing into motion. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, fake, uh, fake Pietro is very much bargaining stage. I just want him back. I don't care if he looks different. <laughs> Did she actually bring him back, or was that Agatha? That was Agatha, Agatha, but she was willing to accept it because of the bargaining. True. I mean, Agatha already yeah. knew that. That was Ralph. That was um, Ralph. I was still kind of annoyed by that, because I would have just happily taken him back as Quicksilver, mm. even though he's the least Quicksilver Quicksilver in this show that I've ever seen. Because, I mean, okay, so you haven't read a bunch of stuff with Quicksilver, but... No, just, like, the three with when he was with uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, so you understand, even though we talked about how I thought they overdid it in that, Quicksilver's main storyline is that he is uh, an entitled d- While on this one, he's, he's Uncle like Jesse, weird slacker d- The the cousin you don't want hanging out with your kids. (laughs) That said, I did genuinely laugh when he's talking about uh, uh, Halloween. And he's like, what, the year we got typhus? And it like flashbacks to them giving. (laughs) I genuinely laughed at that gag. I'm like, oh, you probably just blocked out the trauma. Which one? Nice little like call to what's going Mm -hmm. to be talked about. But also just well delivered comedy right there. Oh, what? The commercials were so cool. I mean, we started talking about them just because we were talking about the Nazi bit with Stooker watches uh-huh. and stuff. But, oh, they were so good and such a good part of the mystery. Because you're like, I know these mean something. Yeah. The claymation one where he's like, me? here, have this drink. And then he can't open it. And it, like, decays into a skeleton or whatever it was. <laughs> it's so good. was legitimately horrifying. I know. <laughs> they're so good at conveying the horror that the especially the early episodes have. Mm-hmm. Of like, especially when they're doing the cleaning one, and like they're they're not acting like people in the commercial. And the Lagos one was the, that was the one where I was like, oh, like really the claymation wrong. was like, okay, yeah, that's that's kind of messed up, but whatever, it's claymation. The Lagos one is like for when you make a mess that you wish you could clean up, and like it's like soaping up like 
bloody looking liquid. Yep. And then even at the end, after it's soaked it up, you can hear it dripping at the end of the commercial. Yep, and, and they're like, just staring at the camera. I got a real uh, Get Out vibe mm. from a lot of those early episodes. Yeah. Remind me. Because I, I looked it up, what is Lagos? Because that's not a character. That's actually something from Scarlet Witch in the MCU. Yeah, that's... so that was um, when Crossbones was going to blow up, and she tried to throw him to keep people safe and ended up accidentally killing, like, 36 people in that building. I still maintain it would have been significantly worse. Like, people are like, Wanda, you killed 36 people. And you're like, yeah, that sucked, but 400 people were going to die. Like, I'm not... I'm not saying it's not a tragedy, but for real, this would have been so much worse if I was not there. Yes, I agree with you, but it also being that it directly led to the Sokovian Accords probably weighs pretty heavily on her. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) Not from Wanda's point of view. Mm I 100% get why Wanda's traumatized, but the number of people that are like, Wanda, you're a monster. No, I I agree with you on that. Come on, man. For sure, but... Also, I'm kind of amazed that the Sokovian Accords still exist. Also, that the Sokovian Accords were detailed enough that they had, you cannot bring people back to life (laughs) in them. What happened? (laughs) I'm trying to think. I don't have anything where someone was regened in that way in the earlier, before Civil War in the movies. I'm trying to remember how specific they were with the wording when they were bringing up how the things that they were doing was in violation of the Sokovian Accords because it might have just been in violation of the Sokovian Accords because it involved doing anything with the Vision's body who that was created as part of Ultron. I just, they plot. were like, that is in direct violation of this subsection C something. I'm, I know subsection was, I don't remember the specific, like, bleh. Of the Sokovian Accords. One, how did you get that specific in the Sokovian Accords? And two, Jimmy, do you just have all of this memorized? Yeah, he does. (laughs) He had flashcards when he was in school. Just going through all of them. I love that they used the correct aspect ratios for the older sitcoms. Oh my god, it was... It was, like, I mean, it was all crisp and clean because it's modern storytelling, but the... Attention to detail of making sure that it felt like old sitcoms is like nothing I've ever really seen elsewhere. They used, um, so the first episode was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Excellent. That's awesome. (laughs) They used all that had to be weird. They used period appropriate (laughs) effects for all of it. There was actually like people up like in the rafters with like. Fishing line moving those plates and stuff when she's and the use of like so yeah I cool. could tell I didn't realize it's from live studio but I could tell that it was the real thing and not CGI uh, and like the use of like slide whistle for weird stuff mm-hmm. for sound effects I appreciated honestly this kind of reminded me that we could just make some sitcoms in the style of various old school sitcoms and make legitimately pretty good television still before filming that first one. They even went and had uh, the director and Kevin Feige went and had a sit-down lunch with Dick Van Dyke just to pick his brain about About how how they used to shoot the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, that's... That's a really... That's fascinating. Huh. (laughs) They did so much research. It's amazing. Uh, Also, the director, Matt Shackman, was a child actor. 
who appeared on a number of 80s sitcoms. So he has actual some experience of those ones. Including, um, including I believe, I believe the reference is Growing Pains, where it's Ralph Boner, is because there was a character named Boner on Growing Pains. Oh, okay. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their commitment to the bit, this is a really a love letter to television and to sitcoms in particular, which I appreciate as someone who liked... I'm not a sitcom devotee, but like mm-hmm. there's some really good sitcoms out there. And we tend to, much like comics, write sitcoms off as trash television, I think, sometimes, or like trash media more than they necessarily deserve. And you know, there's a lot of garbage sitcoms, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of garbage comics too, or garbage fantasy of, epics. Jesus Christ. There's a lot of garbage in any genre. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you go into. Uh, the original plan was in fact actually for Doctor Strange to show up at the end. And it was supposed to be that the commercials were messages from him trying to get through to Wanda. Interesting. They decided sort of last minute going into production, even though they actually even had like the paperwork signed, like Cumberbatch was in. Yeah. yeah. Cumberbatch was going to be in like people were taken care of. They didn't want to have that happen and take the focus off Wanda. That's fair. I mean, he, we are getting that other Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. But they were really tempted to do that because this did start up like, or it was like midway through the season when we suddenly had, uh, spoilers, Luke Skywalker showing up in The Mandalorian. <laughs> and so they were kind of tempted to do like, let's have our own big ending. But I honestly kind of think they should have because it would have tied in well connected uh, uh, Wanda for she's in multiverse of madness having them had directly interact because he knows who she is by that point. They like, they know each other, but they've never interacted. I don't think they've even ever been on the same set up till this point, I guess maybe the final scene in Endgame, but you mm-hmm. know, there was like thousands of people there. He wasn't doing anything except for pulling the water back. So there wasn't much. Yeah. And Wanda was just actually Wanda was being pretty cool in that. If I remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the last episode they ended up, it sounds like they just, it might've ended up screwing up the pacing too much. And once they had it shot, they didn't necessarily want to finish the effects and actually finish the scene. But there was supposed to be a scene where um, the twins, uh, fake Pietro, and I want to say Darcy, go to steal the Darkhold from the basement. And when they get there, Senor Scratchy was going to jump in front and then, like, morph into, like, like have an American werewolf in London style, like transformation oh, into a yeah. big, like a big demon bunny. And then there was going to be like a Goonies chase sequence. I don't went down for that. That's kind of fun. <laughs> That's great. It would have killed the pacing. It would have, it would have been hell to try to get all three of those together. But there were actually plans for Senor Scratchy. Didn't happen. Dang it. <laughs> the child actors were only okay, but that's fair. Most child actors are only okay. I did really like having Billy and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we read an entire book with Billy. Tommy only vaguely appeared in it, but still. Tommy, of course, born first because he's the quickest of the two. Mm-hmm. I thought that was clever. Not having Wonder Man 
exist in this version does take out some of the power of him being named uh, William. Oh. Because he was named after the Vision's quote-unquote brother, Simon Williams, Wonder mm-hmm. Man. Not Billy Shakespeare. Not Billy Shakespeare. On that same note, I find it weirdly funny that the Vision refers to his children as chaps. Like, where did he get that? Is what I want. Where did he pick up that vocal tick? <laughs> That's a good question. Good question. I don't know. Don't know. I don't. I don't know if it was just a, that actor whose name I'm blanking right now. Paul we, Bettany. Paul, thank you. I don't know if that was just Paul Bettany like riffing, and they were like, "That works." Probably that. Uh, there is something fascinating to me about his version of the Vision, who wears like cardigans and <laughs> refers to people as chap. Yeah. And <laughs> the early episodes. We were talking about the attention to detail. Whenever something happens that isn't quote unquote scripted by Wanda, you can tell because they use CGI. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Huh. Huh. I am going to have to rewatch. I know you told me to watch this like three times before we go. I wouldn't have picked up most of this anyways because <laughs> the way you and I watch TV is very separate from each other. I also love how when something there's like a hiccup and something horrible happens. Like everyone breaks out. So they're like, what is this? And then they pop back in real fast. They're like, this is a second of clarent, like clairvoyance. They're like, <gasps> and they're stuck again. And it's so good. So good. I, <laughs> like the glass breaking scene where mm. she like shatters the glass and she's like bleeding everywhere. She's like, this hurts. But she's talking about like her mental state, not her hand. And then she's like, Oh, we should clean this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this show only gets darker upon rewatch when you're noticing where this, the Halloween what scene. the different dialogue means in retrospect. The Halloween scene when he's out at the edges of the town and they're all like stuck there and they're like crying. It's like, oh my God, it's so rough. Uh, Kitty going, stop it, stop it, stop it, in repeat <laughs> is horrific. How, okay, so I mean, Wanda wasn't fully aware of what she was doing for most, right. for all of this. But when is the point that she becomes actively aware that she is the one manipulating I these events? Is it kind of around the same time the audience is made directly aware? Like in the, I don't think she really realizes that it's her doing this in the first episode, at least. I think for sure when she has her kids and she kicks out uh, Monica. Yeah, by the time she kicks out Monica, she she's got some she's level of awareness. Aware. Yeah. She may not know to the full extent, but she's she knows what's Which happening. Which is the same thing of like that's where the audience really goes. Oh, this is Wanda controlling mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that her kicking out. I was gonna. This is just clever. Sorry, her kicking out Monica. The next episode is the one that finally breaks format. It's the fourth episode. Breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> Entitled "Breaking the Fourth Wall." When she kicks out Wanda, or not Wanda. When she kicks out Monica, and that episode starts with us. Seeing her get knocked out. Yeah. She goes through two walls, a fence, and then breaks the barrier. The fourth wall. (laughs) So good. I love it. So good. (laughs) That makes me kind of angry. (laughs) Where were we? I interrupted something to say that. I didn't have too much more. Um, I'm trying to think of if I have much I can say about Monica here, because I think Monica is another unsung great Avenger. When she was Captain Marvel, and she was created entirely because they were about to lose the uh, 
their copyright on the name Captain Marvel. They're like, we gotta put something out! So they, like, created a story. Here's this woman that turns into lightning. She's the new Captain Marvel. They're like, well, we got her. Might as well use her. They put her on the Avengers. And she actually ended up leading the team for a while and was really being set up to be, like, one of the all-time greats until a new writer came in and was like, I think Captain America should be running the Avengers, not Monica. So he forced a storyline where she retires from the Avengers or at least quits leading them because she's actually not very good at the job, which didn't work with everything that's been going on where she was like punking Namor mm-hmm. um, and like showing Hercules his place when he was trying to be a sexist <laughs> to her. And I feel like Monica has suffered from that ever since being written off as like the Avenger that doesn't really understand her powers or what she's doing. And I'm really hoping with her being in this and kind of being set up to be one of the big people for Secret Invasion, it looks like, uh, that she will get the credit that Monica, a.k.a. Photon. Because they're going a bit more Photon. Well, and I don't... So who knows for how long, because she's going to be in Captain Marvel too. That's good, too. The Marvels, yeah. Uh... She gets the short end of the stick. She was Captain Marvel up until they introduced a new Captain Marvel who was the son of the original. She st- he steals her name. And then when he quits being Captain Marvel and someone else takes over, he takes on the name Photon, which is the name she's been using. And he's like, she's like, hey, Janice, what the hell? <laughs> and they actually like have a scene where they go to the bar together and like figure out the new names for each other. <laughs> she picks up a couple of different names over the years. I think these days she's mostly just known as Monica and I think she's gone back to Photon, mm. but there have been several. She's had a lot of names. What was Agatha doing in the car? I can't remember why she was at the edge of town because she wasn't trying to leave. No, I think she was a hundred percent there to cause chaos and mess with, with the vision. vision. Yeah, she was there to mess with vision. Okay. I was trying to remember because that scene popped up. I was like, why was she there? Because she physically wasn't trying to leave. She wants to be there. Yeah. No, she's just trying to screw with Vision. Well, and that whole am I dead because you are, she's 100% trying to get Vision to leave Westview. And I don't know if it's just to mess with Wanda or just to see what would happen. Or both. Or both. Probably both. (laughs) She's very much having fun this entire time, which you can tell, like the episode where she has the kids, like you, that was very obvious. She's not like anybody else in the town. Cause like, she sees the magical stuff. She knows what's happening. Does not care. <laughs> well, and I mean, she already, even before that, she had that, like, should, do you want to redo that? Should I re-give my line or whatever it was? And like, <laughs> really uncomfortable scene. We good? <laughs> oh, I'm just going to go. <laughs> we'll try again tomorrow. I think one of the, like, most uncomfortable scenes I've, I've seen on TV recently was them starting to have a fight over the credits. And I was just like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Like, this is supposed to be happy time and things are supposed to be ending and they're starting yep. to get into, like, an awkward, like, relationship fight and, like, ooh. And she's, like, trying to hide it on purpose. She's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Talk to me. And you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, <laughs> oof. Look, honestly, though, my... I've said this before. The entire Marvel Universe is like cinematic universe is worth existing to get to the grief line that you opened this show with. Mm. That is just some of the best TV writing I have ever 
ever, ever ran across. That whole scene with, like, him kind of, like, hiding, sneaking in, eavesdropping, wanting to talk to Wanda but not wanting to, and then back and forth, and then their entire just discussion about the nature of sitcoms and why they're valuable and grief and all of that. That whole little bit is one of the best... And then in my kind of love affair with the vision, the moment that he like actually laughs at a sitcom and then has that moment of like, Oh God, I'm sorry. One very human. I've done that before. Like serious thing, serious mm-hmm. thing. Something makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, mm, mm, I'm going to hell. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. um, also him, the vision fight coming down to a ship of Theseus conversation is the, perfect for the vision. With dead vision and new vision. <laughs> You and I were talking about actors who have to uh, play against themselves in different. Mm-hmm. In uh, we were talking about voice actors and stuff, but honestly, credit to Paul Bettany. I know he was not. You know, I mean, there was a, a stunt double there with him for it, but like, he carries that whole scene, plays two very different versions of the same character, and both feel like that character. And he does an extremely good job. Also, but even the fight leading up to that was just amazingly choreographed. It was very good. With, like, using the, the visions phasing against each other. It was super cool. <laughs> very uncomfortable when, like, his hand is stuck in his chest and he's like, oh, God. That was cool. Well, and it's a big move Vision does that hasn't really come up in the movies, but is one of his main go-to attacks in the comics, is because he can alter his density between like, non-existent to super hard, he'll just phase through someone and alter his density to, like, heavy and basically give them a mini-stroke and, like, <laughs> they're, like, knocked out. Like, oops. <laughs> they don't say it's a stroke, but they always go, ah, and fall over. So, like, <laughs> I will say, if you enjoyed this, I definitely recommend checking out the two Vision and Scarlet Witch series. There was a mini-series, and then there was an ongoing that... Only lasted about 10 issues. So they're all told it's like, I think, 14, 15 issues. Uh, it's collected in Vision and the Scarlet Witch. It's by Steve Englehart. And I know this is not the podcast we do recommendations on, but it is Vision Scarlet Witch moved to the suburbs and wackiness ensues. Kind of everything Wanda was trying to make this into being, that mm-hmm. comic it actually is. And it's a very interesting read to go along with this of like, oh, so this is where they were kind of trying to replicate this. Marvel does a pretty good job of like, we're going to take the idea of this comic, but then do our heavy own spin for the movie as opposed to like scene for scene recreation in a way that just wouldn't work. There was one other attention to detail thing I wanted to bring up that I just popped back into my mind. I can't remember exactly which episode is. I want to say it's episode six one of the sword agents mention that they're not getting the feed anymore, but there's still another sitcom episode or two, at least one after that. But it's not connecting on the old TV anymore. Oh. Exactly. It's the new format and they didn't update to digital. Oh, Cause they don't use bunny ears <laughs> at the point that all in the, or not all in the family, uh, family, uh, Malcolm in the Middle and then Modern Family. Modern Family. I also appreciate yeah. the reverse at the beginning. Like, none of our stuff understands what this is. She's like, give me an old TV. And then she yeah. puts it in. That said, she's and like, that's I think need... Darcy leaves at that time, so she's not there to update the system. Yeah. They're like, I need an old TV. And she literally just, like, reaches under the table. Like, they just kept <laughs> a TV from the 50s in the sword. It's the government. They have it everywhere. 
<laughs> Someone packed that, is my point. Yeah. Like, so, someone's like, we're going to check Again, out this weird bubble around Westview. Uh, grab the 50s TV. I just, uh, Darcy and Jimmy Woo show all day long. I still say put Monica in it, but okay, yeah. Like I mean, like, put anybody else you want in it. I don't care. As, <laughs> as long, long as, as you Rose have Darcy Street. and Jimmy Woo. So good. I'm kind of glad that they're taking the good aspects of the first two Thor movies because it'd be really easy to just never mention those two movies again after mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I mean, we're probably not going to watch them when we get to the Thor part. <laughs> like, that's how easy it would be to forget them. Yeah. We might. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but... Mm, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty but pointless, but there were good aspects of them. Uh, Darcy... I mean, okay, I'm looking I, I'll forward take it to, back. I need to rewatch the second one after watching Endgame. I'm looking forward to Natalie Portman being back as uh, Jane mm-hmm. in Love and Thunder, which I think is coming out, what, this fall? Something like Doesn't that. matter. Not important. I think that's what I got for this one. Yeah, same here. Any last thoughts, subject? Uh, watch Loki. It's also really good. Yeah. We'll get to that. I haven't gotten to it yet. We'll definitely watch that when it comes to our God stuff, too. Oh, it is really good. It's really oh, I'm very good. excited. Also uh, has some scary psychological been, horror in it. That's probably been my second favorite. That's the, the general review I've heard of these uh, Disney Plus Marvel shows so far. I've only seen WandaVision and Hawkeye, so there's that. Um, next time we are starting our entry into hell. Into hell. We will be reading the Doctor Strange Damnation crossover events, which is going to be complicated because it is not just a single, like, Doctor Strange issues 42 through... Uh, so I'm going to... Getting my notes ready to write that down so I don't forget. I mean, you can just text me, but I have to let the... I have to let the audience know. No, I'm, I'm also in it with the audience. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. The It is collected in the Doctor Strange Complete Damnation crossover mm. uh, or something along... Type in Doctor Strange Damnation and you'll find it. But it will be Doctor Strange Damnation issues 1 through 4, Doctor Strange 386 through 389, Scarlet Spider 15 through 17, Iron Fist 78 through 80, and Damnation Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider number 1. I know that sounds super complicated. It actually is a pretty decently all tie-in event. And we will be dealing with the Lord of Hell himself, Mephisto. It's going to be Mephisto this time, guys. It will be Mephisto. He's going to be here. Uh, That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the annual game of Battle Royale starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. (laughs) I'm not comfortable with these games. Trust no one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Noob Island. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M dot com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.